Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. <laughs> I could have said thank you for having me back. I guess now. Uh, no, no, no. This was that was uh, that was what what that was was weeks and weeks of pent up excitement for the podcast <laughs> for you to have me on the podcast. <laughs> That is, you are the co-host of. So that's good. It's, yeah. it's a, it's great to have you back. You've been kind of busy, yes? I've been kind of busy, but um, it is time for the baseball preview. You can't miss the baseball preview. Contractually, the, the deal I signed with you, the 99-year <laughs> contract I signed with you for $0 a year requires me to at least be present for the baseball preview every year. So here I am. That is correct. That is correct. It is uh, it is uh, onerous. You don't want to you don't want to challenge that uh, that contract in court. Nope. Um, and then you'll you'll disappear a little bit and you'll be back. You'll be back. We've got some actually. I still don't think we should actually say what this is, but we might have like a couple of pretty exciting events coming up this year on the podcast. Yes, even though um, I'm not around as much right now, there are plans in the future to do some exciting. We shouldn't even te- well. We'll tease it just in theory because it could all fall apart. But <laughs> but some exciting theoretical special podcasts during this baseball season. That's how you would say it, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly how you would say it. I would say you would say there are theoretical podcast uh, special events. That's right. That, uh, that uh, we will hopefully uh, tell you all about. But you know what? We got we got time for that. We'll worry about that later. That's right. It's baseball. Are you excited? It's baseball season. I mean, I was excited until the actual games happened yesterday, and then literally everything went wrong. <laughs> so, so now I'm assuming I'm in for 162 individual miseries. Actually, yeah. let's call it 324, I guess. Well, for me, yes, yes, and for me, and and actually, I've I've got multiple multiples beyond 324, but. Uh, we will obviously get to all of the the specific teams as we go through and and give you uh, exactly what is going to happen in the 2019 season like we always do. We always uh, give it to you. Again, uh, we have to begin with this warning. If you, if you don't want the whole season spoiled, uh, just turn this off. You should I mean, stop listening. Last year, if memory uh, serves, we were 91.8% accurate, I think. That, something that is like right. That. that is right. 91.8. Yep. 91.9. Depends on whether you round up or round down. Yeah, exactly. 91.85. So I, I like to be humble, so we'll say 91.8. But generally speaking, we get everything right. Uh, you can go back and fact check us. Look at any baseball preview from the past and what we predict. It's always with, between like eighty and ninety four percent accurate. So yeah. if you don't want to have the whole baseball season ruined, you should stop listening because you're about to hear exactly what is going to happen. Exactly. It's 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 gonna it, it could ruin it for you. It's a little bit like giving away the ending to the sixth sense. So we'll we'll try. We, we gave you the warning. That's all. But before we before we actually start making the predictions, uh, I just need to say two words to you because I think they were the two words we shared uh, yesterday about forty two seconds after the season began. Uh, Luke Voigt. That's just, right. Just Luke Voigt. I, I think. Uh, um, 
No, that's it. Just Luke Voigt. I don't. I don't even have anything to add to that. It bears. It bears mentioning. Um, Luke Voigt. The Yankees acquired Luke Voigt in a trade for nothing, right? Nothing. I think they gave. They 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 took a FedEx pack a box and they filled it with air, <laughs> and uh, and they sent it off to no one. And then Luke Voigt came and showed up. And it bears. It bears mentioning, honestly, despite the fact that we've been down this road before, that on a team with Aaron Judge. And Giancarlo Stanton and Miguel Andujar and Gary Sanchez and Gleyber Torres and even Greg Bird. Let's throw Greg Bird in there. Luke Voigt is hitting fourth for this team. <laughs> Luke Voigt, who they got for literally nothing. It makes well, me want to grind my teeth into dust. They got Luke Voigt for nothing. Well, nothing. It's one of those rare things where where the joke. Uh, that they they put a, a a box of air is actually would be it would be better if that was it if, if what Luke Voigt was he was they the 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 Yankees had traded for uh, international money bonus slot money right. that's that's what they tra- he, he would they just threw him in and the, they sent they didn't send air they sent two imaginary players that's right the Cardinals that's right Giovanni Gallegos who we know that's not real mm-hmm. I mean there's not a chance. Mm-hmm. And then a player we have talked about the 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 fraudulence of Jason Shreve, who that's we right. know is that's not real. Jason Shreve is not a real Jason player. Shre- Jason Shreve was a they fed a computer a uh, hundred thousand names uh, of millennials and then asked the computer to come up with its own imaginary millennial name and what it spit out was Jason Shreve. And then Giovanni Gallegos was, is just an amalgam of all Latin-born players who have ever played in the majors. They just were, they took the, the sort of like arithmetical mean of the names of all of those players and came up with Giovanni Gallegos. And in, in return, they got Luke Voigt, who hits fourth for this team and hit a three-run homer in the second inning yesterday and is currently batting 1,000 with, <laughs> with a home run and four OBIs and two walks after one game. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. All right, we'll we'll sp- get to the specifics. We have to save the American League East for last uh, for that for that very reason. So we're going to start off in the National League West, and uh, I will let you begin as we as we discuss uh, you know a, a team that is close to uh, to your jerk son's heart. That's right. By the way, you know usually what happens in these baseball previews is you do a lot of research and you have a lot of numbers at your disposal and you have the code of projections and everything. And I play the role of I'm just going with my gut, the eye test, the old gut check or whatever uh, for fun. But now what's fun now is that we're doing this one day into the season. So now I have something better than my gut. I have a one game sample size. So I'm going to bet I'm going to base all of my predictions on the one game that's been played. As well you should. Yeah. As well you should. And again, ninety two percent accurate. So it's amazing. It's amazing. So obviously the Dodgers are winning the World Series. There's no question here. They have the best run differential in the league at plus seven. Actually that's not true. The Mariners are plus eleven because they've played three games. But plus seven and they hit eight home runs. They hit eight home eight. runs. It's that's it. It's, it's it's over for everybody. It's over for everybody else. Everybody else should just give up now. The Rockies and the Giants and the Padres and the Diamondbacks should basically break it down and start rebuilding for next year. That's my that would be my advice. I will say though, in all seriousness, you forget a little bit um, how good the the Dodgers have been to two World Series in a row, and they lost both times, obviously, but. 
they have been missing like enormous pieces of the puzzle. Incredible. It's really and incredible. when that lineup gets together and they, they come on, and I know it's obviously, it's one game. It's stupid. It's You learn exactly nothing from one game. We all know that. You learn nothing from 10 games. But watching the highlights of that team, like, oh, this lineup is amazing. This lineup is so good. They have so many good players in that lineup. And like, you know, I again, the joke of it being a one-game sample size is, is a joke. But my goodness, like watching that team hit, like they, they, they did some stuff yesterday that they're going to do a lot over the course of the season. And I actually do in all seriousness, think they very likely, I mean, obviously the pitching is the question, right? Like they hinge in Ryu is not what you would think of as an ideal game one starter. He's a very good pitcher, but he's not Clayton Kershaw. There's obviously an enormous question about Clayton Kershaw's health and future and everything else. But my goodness, they made Zach Grinke look very, very bad. And they have, like, suddenly Seager's at short, and suddenly Max Muncy plays the whole year at first, or, you know, alternating a catcher. And suddenly Bellinger seems to, after one game, have broken out of his sophomore slump. And suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, this team this team is really good. They're really deep. The lineup is really long. They have A.J. Pollock in center field. He didn't do anything yesterday. They have a really good lineup, and I think they're going to be really good all year. I think that's right. You know, I mean, I, I'm not going to use the one game sample size, but when I did my my previews, uh, which you can see over on uh, on my uh, blog, uh, you know, I, I do this every year. I went through all of the rosters and I came in th- to the West really open minded, particularly about the Padres, because they're obviously very exciting. They've got some some tremendous young players. They did just sign Manny Machado. And, and you, you kind of look at their future and you go, oh, you know, and, and what, what we've seen over the last few years is if you think a team is going to be good in the next couple of years, they're probably already good right. because, because players come along so young. So I came in open-minded thinking, oh, maybe the Padres could, could, and then I looked at the Dodger lineup. I'm like, I totally forgot how good this team is. I, you just, you just don't even think about it because they did go to the world series last year even though Corey Seager was out the whole year, basically, even though Justin Turner was out for whatever, two or three months, mm-hmm. even though Kershaw was hurt for, for a big chunk of the year, even though Bellinger didn't play quite as well as anybody, everybody thought he was going to play. And then, you know, you, you see it yesterday right away in, in game one, like Jack Peterson is good. Like Jack, yeah. you, you, you're, <laughs> he, he was just one of those guys like, Oh, you know, fourth outfielder. You don't even think about him. And you're like, a lot of teams would love to have Jock Peterson in their in 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 their outfield. I mean, yeah. it's he's really good. And so, yeah, I think that it's it's like a different game. I still think the Padres are are good and I think they're potentially very very good as as time goes on, but that that Dodgers team is kind of elite. And and you know, their pitching could be a, a little bit of a trouble uh, a problem, but you know, Walker Bueller looks like he could be a super stud right he could be like he could be a Cy Young candidate right away and I think we're all writing off Kershaw with the arm but but that that doesn't mean that Clayton Kershaw is not going to come back and and you know do what he's done at least the last couple years which is be dominant over 150 innings or whatever I I I think they're I think they're good and I think they're the favorite in the National League I mean I think they're that talented there's also a scenario where Kershaw like doesn't pitch to the all-star break and the team is still, you know, in first place. And then they get Kershaw back and he only has to throw 100 innings in the regular season or something. You know, like I, there is this it's the weird um, modern world we live in where, you know, the the 
the guys with injuries, they can the teams that are really good can afford to just slow play their best players. The Red Sox did it with Sale last year. You know, they basically shut down Sale for for a lot of the second half. He was on a severe innings restriction, even though it wasn't like an official innings restriction. They basically right. they, they basically just like didn't pitch him that much, and it was okay because they had a big lead. And like there's a scenario where you know the the Dodgers are just kind of cruising to the playoffs, and they just kind of like you know, Kershaw throws a hundred innings, and they just save him for the postseason. You know, I mean, I don't know. It is cool. It's the the cool thing with the Padres to shift gears is not just that they signed Machado and and it, like stepped up, but like they didn't do that thing with Tatis where they um, where they like held him in the minors for two weeks to get a, another year of arbitration like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant and like the whoever it is, the, is it the Blue Jays with uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, uh, yeah. These teams are just like holding their guy. It's just like, I don't know. It's it's such it's like you, you get it. It's a, you know, the difference between, you know, six six years of, uh, of team control and seven, essentially seven years of team control or whatever is enormous. But, they probably were like, yeah, we're just bringing him up. And he had two hits in his first game. It was like, well, they, they, they've actually, they've done, you know, it's long-term economically, it's not great maybe, but they, they're they going, they're like, they're trying to let people know that they're serious about winning and that's cool. Well, there are a few things about that. One is it is cool. I mean, because because they're doing it and other teams are not. But the second thing is that, look, there's that's a smart organization with some smart people. I think they know the rules are going to change. It's it's not going to be yeah. the, the idea that you can keep I mean 6 years of control for these guys is a joke. 7 years of control is lunacy. It's lunacy that you should be able to get 7 years of control for these for these players especially now when they're not getting paid on the back end when you know when when they're very very rarely uh, are players getting any kind of real contracts when they turn 30. So so it's so that's first of all is I think they're being very very smart because I don't think it's going to cost them. I think that the rules are probably going to end up changing. But the second thing that's cool about it is they're saying we're here. We've arrived. We're trying to win. I love that. It's like teams that are like them, the Astros had this moment, Cubs had this moment, even the Royals before they had their stretch had this moment where they're like, all right, you know what? Rebuilding's over, and and we're here to win, like yeah. right now. And, and that totally uh, set off. But I am wondering what hot take Mike feels about Manny Machado's over three in game one. He's a bust. He's a bust. They they this three hundred million dollars down the drain. The guy's a bust. So by the way, so is Harper. These guys are busts. <laughs> they have never. They will never live up to those contracts. The evidence is clear. Uh, yeah, they, it's over, man. And same with Chris Sale, bust. Five oh, years, one hundred and forty million, whatever it was, bust. These, these guys are. They will. These teams will rue the day they ever sign these extensions. You, you heard it here first. By the way, uh, you know, there's another thing going on too in the in the West, which is that when the um, when the like balance of power has now shifted to the point, I think that in the, like a, a little while ago you felt like the AL, like very recently you felt like the AL was the like the, the league to beat kind of. Like they just felt like they had the premier franchises. They had the Yankees and they had the Red Sox and the, and the Astros and whatever. I kind of feel like this might be the year that officially shifts. And it's not just Harper, you know, staying in the West and Machado moving to the West permanently and whatever. But like the exciting, the guys who were like really exciting, these exciting young players – a lot of them are, uh, I say the West, in the National League, I mean. Yeah, but saying, a yeah. lot of them are in the National League. Like, I, a lot of the games that I wanted to watch yesterday 
our teams in the National League. And, the, you know, the Braves are kind of fun, even though they kind of didn't do anything. And the Dodgers, the NL West is like one of the most exciting divisions. It feels like this might be the year that the balance of power shifts back to the National League. I don't know. Well, it's I, a hot one-game sample take. Well, but I but I think that's a, there's a, I mean, you look at Acuna, you look at Juan Soto, you look at uh, – um, you know, you, you look at at uh, the, the Padres guy, uh, which well, I've already lost name, Tatis. Yeah, I, I mean, those are three of the most exciting players in the game. I mean, obviously Vlad Jr. is in that mix too. But I mean, you're right; the majority of those really, really Robles is super exciting in Washington, also. Um, so yeah, there are a bunch of exciting guys in the National League. I don't know if if it shifts just yet because I'm looking at that West and I'm thinking. Dodgers, terrific. I think the Padres, clearly on the rise. I don't like anybody else in that division right now. Well, the, the, the NL West isn't great, but the, 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 the East is going to be really interesting yeah, with the Braves, so Phillies, and Nationals. Soto, we, we were texting about this a little bit the other day. Soto is like, you oh, yeah. already feel like he's going to win the MVP. <laughs> yeah, he's already in the mix for the MVP. Yeah, I would I tell you right now, uh, and this is, and I'm being serious, Not even I'm not asking hot take Mike. I'm asking real Mike. Next, let's say, because I, if I if I stretch it out too long, it's 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 an easy answer. But let's say the next three years, okay? Who would you rather have, Bryce Harper or Juan Soto? Oh, Soto. Yeah, three years. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're talking the next three yeah. years. I'd rather have Soto. Well, this is this is the bigger question about like there's something really crazy going on. There's a story recently about how. Uh, the team that internally in MLB, the team that kind of does the most to suppress arbitration victories for players, gets gets like a championship belt. Did you see this story? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, this is bad, man. Like this is really bad because there's been a lot of evidence over the last three years. Like the guys, you know, it used to be that by basically January first, all of the marquee free agents had signed these huge deals and. Granted, a lot of them have blown up in people's faces. The the Angels are still paying the the walking corpse of Albert Pujols like thirty million dollars a year or whatever. So like something something is gonna change. But Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell and a couple other guys are not on teams right now. Like yeah. Craig Kimbrell was the closed. Granted, he had a rocky last month and a half or whatever. He was the closer on the World Series winning team, and he still throws ninety eight. And he has a devastating curveball, and he's not forty. He's you know, no. whenever he's thirty-four or something, right? How old is Kimbrel? I don't even yeah. know. But yeah, the he's, point he's is, younger, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's younger than you think. Yeah, yeah, and so he and he doesn't have a. He didn't get a one-year. I mean, he might have been offered one-year deals or two-year deals. He doesn't. He's not on a team right now. He's not on a roster, and neither is Dallas Keuchel. And there's there's a, it, it's there's something going on. There's the there's no way then this is not reckless speculation this is just using your brain and eyes there is this kind of soft collusion happening sure. in terms of these deals sure. but you know there's no question like and so this there's like a there's a a a, a league-wide issue i think in the way that teams and contracts are are operating and like the thing of leaving guys in the minors for 2 weeks is just one aspect of it there's a lot going on that's going to lead to some labor strife here in the next couple of years. I think. Oh, I think that's right, and it's going to. I think it'll be kind of ugly. He's thirty, by the way. Peter's thirty-one <laughs> at the end of May. Thirty years old. That's all I was going to say. I, I was as you were going through his age. I'm like, he's he's even younger than that. Yeah, he's thirty years old. Going to be thirty-one at the end of May. 
Um, still fantastic. Keuchel, are you kidding me? I mean, there's few starting pitchers out there. You, nobody's given money to Keuchel. Gio Gonzalez signed like for for you know pennies on the dollar yeah. at the last minute. I mean, it's 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 very very strange. And and the other the other side of this is that you're seeing a bunch of players. I mean, and the numbers look great uh, for the players. Uh, but you're seeing a bunch of players seeing obviously the big gigantic trout deal, the big gigantic Arenado deal, the uh, DeGrom deal that just came out, a bunch of guys, they don't want to go into free agency. And so they're signing these long-term deals that look really nice now, but you know that they're, that they're not making the money that they would make if they were on the open market and like in a real market setting, you know, that because why, why would, I mean, the, why would a team offer as much money as like the most that they could possibly get on the open market? I mean, it's, it doesn't make any sense. So, so, you know, they're look, and nobody's going to feel bad for the, for the, those players and they shouldn't, I mean, they're making a fortune. I'm talking about the, the ones that just got signed, but it's all part and parcel with what's happening in, in the game. And the players are in a, are really, really in a tough spot right now. They real they 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 have gotten used to a system that used to pay out at the end of the day, right? The, the the system was you put up the first six years, you know, you'll make some money in your last three when arbitration comes around, but you're going to really cash in at the end of those six years. And Albert Pujols is not worth the money he's getting paid now. But when you total up how much money Albert Pujols makes in his career, he will be worth it. He'll. It, it, that's how that worked. It worked like, okay, you're basically getting your money deferred. That system isn't working anymore. And guys like Craig Kimbrell, I mean, he he basically, what did he say? Like just weeks and weeks ago, he said he would sit out the year rather than take the contracts that he was getting he was getting offered. So I mean, you you have to imagine he's really not getting a whole lot. Yeah, and you know he's still one of the 30 best closers in the game. I mean, you know that there are numbers of teams that can upgrade by signing him, and they're not well, willing to give and, him. And one of those teams is the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, I know. The, Red Sox don't, the Red Sox's biggest weakness is their bullpen, I think, that's uh, at least on paper. So, like, it's just – it's a little bit wild that, like, I know – and. He did. He was really, really rocky. It, it, like it, his his rockiness as the closer was masked last year by the team's just overall kind of incredible depth, and by some unbelievable outfield defense, including like Benintendi's diving, sprawling catch with the in the in the game in Houston that Kimbrel almost blew by just. I mean, he didn't have a he had. He did not have a clean inning for like two months. He would come in and he he would walk a bunch of guys. He would give up a home run. Like he was, it was really dicey. And it was just being masked by the fact that the team was so good that they were just winning without him. So it's, it's not like, I don't think that he was going to break a record for, you know, closer salary or something, but it's, it's wild that the Red Sox didn't give him two years and, 25 million bucks or something, you know, or just something, something like, you know, put him in that, you know, and that he's in the top eight closers in the league and pay him like it. And then if, and I, and I, I, the only conclusion you can draw really is that they just didn't do that. And then nobody else did either. Or, you know, unless he was holding out for like a huge seven year deal, you know, or something, but I just can't imagine that's true. I think they must've lowballed him. I think everybody must've said one year, 7 million or something. 
I think so too. And, and, you know, let's not forget, I, cause I, cause I look, you know, at him pretty closely. He basically had the same year last year that he had his first year in Boston where, you know, he was shaky. He was, he was giving up a lot of, a lot of stuff and, and his strikeout, uh, and then he followed that 2016 season with like maybe his best season in 2017. Yeah. So a lot of that feels to me like that's sort of the, that's the game that's, you know, other than Mariano, like every closer does that. Like they have, they have up years and down years and, and let's face it. I mean, Craig Krimble's down year, still plenty good for, for, for most teams in baseball. Um, and it was good enough, you know, it didn't, it didn't exactly cost the the Red Sox, the world series or anything. So, you know, again, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a big issue. And I think it's an issue that, that baseball's going to have to deal with. So as we stay, as we, as we close out the West, um, who's, who's bad in the American? <laughs> well, obviously the Giants and Diamondbacks are bad because they lost their first game. Uh, the Diamondbacks are worse because they lost by seven runs and the Giants only lost by two. Hey, um, that, that's and cranky. Okay. I, and yeah. this is both hot make and real take Mike. <laughs> That, that uh, I mean, the Giants, were, the Giants were terrible last year. I'm assuming they're not going to be that much better. No, they didn't not. really do anything, right? So, I mean, I, weirdly right now, the right now, if you look at the standings in the West after one game, it's Dodgers, Rockies, Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks. I think you flip the Diamondbacks and the Giants, and then that's basically how they're going to end the year. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that seems that seems about right. And I think the Rockies are probably not going to be all that good. Um, but But – what what does Hot Take Mike think of Zach Granke? By the way, I mean that because you look at that. I mean, obviously he was he was disastrous yesterday, but man, his stuff looked terrible, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, the ball yeah. was flying out of Dodger Stadium. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a it was unseasonably warm here, yeah. and uh, you know, blah 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 blah. But I I only saw highlights of that game because uh, I was at work, and uh, I mean, he, it looked like he was throwing eighty eight. And was he, he was throwing eighty eight? Oh yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine, and his his. Uh, breaking stuff was not doing anything. And I mean, it was, and he throws 88 and, and that changeup does nothing anymore. And that slow curve, nobody cares about anymore. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a little worried. I mean, obviously I've been a cranky guy from the literally his first game uh, in the, in the major leagues and before, uh, but I, you know, and, and he'll, he'll probably figure it out because he's super smart and, and all of that. But I saw a guy yesterday with nothing. That's yeah. what I saw. That's what well, it's also the first game of the year, so we can draw so we can draw permanent conclusions from it, and the conclusion is he's done. <laughs> he should retire right now. That's right. Really he should give all the rest of his money back on his contract and retire. <laughs> all right, we are we going to the American League West, or are we staying in the National League and going up to the Central? Uh, let's stay in the National League, National right, Central. Let's, let's go to the National League Central. What did what did Hot Take Mike see that first day? Obviously, Cubs uh, Cubs are going to be playing the Dodgers in the NL Championship. Sure. Uh, one by eight on the road. That's huge. On the road, too. On the road. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brewers and Reds both look good, I think, and the Pirates and Cardinals are uh, are done. Yeah, that, that, I think that's that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. How about that catch, though? The catch in the Cardinal game, the uh, awesome. Lorenzo King catch. I mean, of all the things that you dream about as a kid, like very few of them probably involve opening day because what you're dreaming of is like, you know, the series, the playoffs, or you know, winning the pennant or whatever. But robbing a home run with two outs in the ninth inning on opening day to win your team's first game—that rules, man! What an awesome moment that is. It was so cool. And first of all, 
and and I really believe this, and so I, I'm curious my theory about this. Lorenzo Cain is such a good outfielder. I mean, he's really one of the great outfielders of our time. He's such a good outfielder. I swear, as soon as he saw that ball hit, he knew exactly what he was going to do. I mean, he knew exactly that it was going to come to the wall. He was going to be a little short. He was going to be able to get up there and get it. He was going to make it look dramatic. Uh, I mean, it was dramatic, but he was going to make it, he was going to give it a little extra oomph at there. And it was going to be like, like, I thought you could see his eyes light up as soon as the ball was hit. Like, oh my gosh. I remember as a kid, I don't know if you probably would like this too. As a kid, I used to love when there was a ball that I could die for, right? Like, sure. oh, that's, and I think that was that kid moment where he looked at that and said, Oh, this is, I'm going to catch this at the wall. I'm going to, I'm going to steal a home run. I, <laughs> I really think he thought that almost from the, there was never a doubt as he was going that he was going to catch it in his mind from, from the, from the body posture, from the way he ran at the ball, from the, from the way he timed his jump, everything to me seemed like not, not staged because, because he stole the home run and we know how hard that is to do, but where it was like, oh yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. I, I can't. You have to assume because it's so hard to actually put yourself into the brain of someone that athletic, but you have to assume that when the ball is hit, those guys know what is going to happen, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. The, 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 the sort of geometric and, um, and athletic calculation happens instantaneously. They see the ball and they're like, I got that one. I'm at the wall. I got it. And it, and it just, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's impossible to kind of, I don't even know what that feels like, but there was a, Tim Kirchner was talking on Levitard's show the other day, Dan Levitard's show, about Ichiro, because Ichiro retired after that uh, game in, in Japan, and he was telling the story of a coach on the Mariners who said that part of what made Ichiro so great is that he had this incredible mathematical geometric sense of angles and and that he was like sort of intellectually brilliant and that made it so that he was better at choosing the angle that he would run after balls at. And it's sort of like, how do you, who knows if that's actually true, but you see that sometimes with God, you see it with Mookie Betts in right field at Fenway. You see it with like Lorenzo Kane. You see it, you even see with Mike Trout where like there's a, there's almost a kind of, um, it goes beyond instinct. Jackie Bradley Jr. has it too. Where oh, yeah. it's just, it's beyond instinct. It's like, it's like they've made the correct calculation, like the intellectually correct calculation about how to get to from point A to point B. And I like, that's why StatCast is so cool because you get those things where it's like the root efficiency. And yes. you see these guys who are like somehow in the spur of the moment, they were like nine, they took the 96.8% most. Uh, efficient route to the baseball, and that's the only reason they made the catch. I just love stuff like that. I do too. I do too. And but I also love, uh, and I think you're 100 right. And I and, and what I love is there are times uh, that you'll see great players uh, and even good players. I mean, you don't have to be a you don't have to be a Lorenzo Cain, Jackie Bradley Jr. type player where they'll go to the wall and they'll leap. And when they're in the air leaping in their minds, it's like 50-50, I get this, right? It's like, or, you know, 30, and then sometimes they'll look up and they'll be like, yeah, I caught it, you know, and you'll see like, ah, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't 100% in their minds. They, like they were, they thought they had a shot at it, but but it was like, eh, you know, maybe 35% chance I catch it or something like that. Right. Um, 
he had a hundred percent. He knew 100% <laughs> he was going to catch that ball. That's what was so, to me, that's what was so cool about it was it was, it was like, it was like showtime. It was like, Oh, here it is. Here's the moment I'm on, you know, it, it's, it's Carnegie hall and I'm, I'm at the microphone and there is no chance I'm going to like not catch this ball. I just thought it was. It's sort of like the, the famous Griffey catch where he climbed up the wall and waited for the ball to come down. Yes, like, it's yes. like, um, also, you know what I love about Lorenzo came to, he wears number six, like no athlete wears number six. <laughs> That's true. Can you think of one in any sport? Like I was, as I was watching that highlight. It was like, who's there's no number six. You'd think there'd be a lot of quarterbacks who wear number six because it's like a number between one and twelve or fifteen or whatever. But I can't think. I can't even think of a quarterback who wears number six. Can you? Um, no. Number six is really. It's really rare. I feel like in baseball, I don't. I can't think of like shortstops who wear number six. I can't think of quarterbacks. I can't think of basketball Bill, players who wear number Bill six. Russell, Bill Russell wore number six. Oh, right. there you go. <laughs> yeah, the greatest basketball player of all time. He would. He did. But like, but in the modern day, can you? I, I, I've, I don't know. I'm sure there are many uh, that we. If I just literally could Google it right now, uh, I would find a bunch. But it, you'd think that six is like it's just weirdly. It's weirdly not a, a common number in my brain, at least for the kind of person who would wear it, which is a quarterback or a shortstop or a point guard or something. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, I'm trying to think in my mind. I mean, I'm, I, I would think mostly when I think of numbers, I do think of football and, and number six doesn't, doesn't play. And it's funny because there's sevens and there's fives, but number six yeah. doesn't. You're right. That's a really good point. Are the Brewers the best team in the division or are you still sticking with the Cubs? I'm sticking with the Cubs. Uh, You know, I'm sticking with the Cubs. First of all, they won their game by eight runs yesterday, and the Brewers only won by one. Big deal. So Brewers needed a miracle at the end. That's right. I'm sticking with the Cubs, but I think it might be a dogfight. Which, which frankly, that division could use a little bit. That division, like the NL Central, is kind of sad. Also, we shouldn't leave the NL Central without talking about our friend Scooter Jeanette. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It's it's uh, such a bummer. It's a sad, sad moment, especially because like Scooter was like so fired up about the Reds and everything else. But yeah, Scooter Jeanette, last year's podcast player of the year, uh, injured. Uh, what is he, is he going to? How much is he going to miss? They I, they weren't. No one has said it, um, but uh, it was. It's a while. I think yeah. it might be a while. It sounded like it was. It was very serious and. Uh, uh, right groin stain. It's strain. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, like a serious least, one. Yeah, no, like like literally at least two to three months is, is yeah. what I remember. And 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 when it's two to three months, it just ugh, it stinks. It stinks. But uh, 2017 podcast player of the year, Tommy Pham, is uh, is rolling right along in Tampa Bay. So there you <laughs> to, are we gonna are we gonna pick today? Or are we gonna ask uh, ask our listeners to help us pick the podcast? Or do we or do we need to wait for the season to kind of get going so that we can pick? I kind of think we, we I kind of think we need to like let it let it ride for a month or two because I think a story needs to emerge, right? A story yeah. needs to like come out and uh, and, oh, and like someone needs to like have someone needs to be having an, an an unexpectedly interesting season, and then we adopt that person. I, I don't think we should. Be predicting it now. I think that's right. I think mean, that's yeah. a good point. And plus, I mean, you know, it's like, look, last year, once Scooter Jeanette was, at, you know, going after the scooter, um, 
I mean, who else were you going to pick, right? So some sometimes you just have to let that thing just absolutely yeah. blow. Sometimes up, right? it tells you, like the, the the athlete tells you that to follow him instead of us figuring out that we should follow the athlete. Exactly. All right. So is Paul Goldschmidt a bust? <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a lot of busts. That was kind of the big story. The three K's for Paul Goldschmidt. My the, God. Yeah, the big story of this early. Uh, season check-in is Harper's a bust, Machado's a bust, Goldschmidt's a bust, Grinky's a bust, Chris Sale is a bust. There's a lot of bust. AJ Pollock's a bust. Justin Turner's a bust. I mean, it's, it, it's bad out there. It is. It is really bad out there. Did you when, when the when the Cardinals uh, actually got Goldschmidt and have now signed him? But it, when the Cardinals actually got Goldschmidt, and I believe we did text about this, but was your reaction? Well, of course they did. Yeah. It, I mean. It, has ever there been a player more like, of course he ended up on the Cardinals than Paul Goldschmidt? And also the Cardinals, we've talked about this before, but the Cardinals are always getting players where you're like, wait, that guy was available to be had? Like, how did they do that? How did they just get Paul Goldschmidt? I remember, um, we talk, again, we've talked about this exact thing, but they said, that year they said Matt Holiday. Yeah. It was like, wait, how did they... Like, no one knew Matt Holiday was available. And then they were just like, no, the Cardinals got him. And they gave up whoever... Who cares? Like <laughs> they, 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 they were always doing that. They're always going out and getting the guy that you're that is exactly the kind of player that your team wants or needs. And somehow or another, I mean, it's obviously a tribute to their to their management, and it's a tribute to their um, to their farm system that they always have guys to trade. But Paul Grossman, like, just he's been playing in a in a in the literally in the desert, and no one knows who he is or cares. And he's very quietly every year, one of the five best hitters in the national league. <laughs> he hits 30 home runs and drives in 115 or whatever. And he walks a hundred times. And he and, steals like 30 bases. You don't even know it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's still 32 bases one year. He's just what he's like. He's a, like, Two, he was like a 300, 400, 500 hitter every single year. Every year. And now he's just casually at age 31 on the Cardinals. And suddenly that team is relevant again. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, and Cincinnati, uh, you know, they started, you know, obviously after their their win on opening day in, in great shape to be the surprise team in baseball this year. But losing Scooter, big, big thing. What about Yasiel Puig, though? What about Puig? Are you going to miss Yasiel Puig? I am going to miss Puig. Puig, as a as a as a uh, person who went to who goes to ten or fifteen Dodger games a year, the arguably the most fun player to watch on the team because he's uh, really really talented and he's insane. And so <laughs> those two things, when you put them together, make him really uh, fun to watch. And I'm sad that he's not around anymore. Uh, he's, uh, oh, by the way, also bust over four yesterday, huge bust. Um, could Reds will regret that move, but, uh, but he, he was, he was a, he's an insane talent. That guy, he's, a, he's, I think the story of Yasiel Puig at the end of his career is going to be if he just, um, really actually cared more about baseball, about like being awesome, he could have been like a hall of fame level player. And by the way, that is not an argument that he should care more. I don't think I, I don't think I care about how much he cares. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, who cares? That's what he's doing it. He's clearly like playing the game exactly the way he wants to play it. And I think that's totally fine. But man, oh man, he is a monster. 
he is so talented. I, you know, the big, the big bummer for me was, uh, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, my friend, uh, and your, uh, often, uh, target, uh, Bill Plaschke did like a little, um, pregame. I don't know what it was. It was like some sort of pregame thing that they had video of it on Twitter. Uh, he couldn't have been happier to have Puig gone. It was like, it was <laughs> just the joy of, yeah. of all that clubhouse, how much better. And I hate that stuff. I just, that, that part makes me sad, but I'm excited for Cincinnati. You know what they haven't, they, you know, they've had Vado who's always been great and they've, you know, they've been somewhat under, well, not somewhat entirely underappreciated. So now they've got sort of the anti Vado. They've got like Vado sort, right. of, sort of and metronome. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, so that'll be fun for Reds fans. That'll be fun. All right. National League East is an absolute mess. I mean, it's a mess. But a lot cleared up on opening day, didn't it? Oh, my God. I mean, I think we know – we basically know what the story is now. It's the Mets and Phillies and everybody else. You know what I mean? The Mets and the Phillies, 1-0. Phillies won by six, which is obviously great. Uh, Mets only won by two, but DeGrom – obviously, DeGrom's your Cy Young Award winner. Um, Sure, again. The Nationals, disappointing. What, what can you say? They just they keep disappointing you. They lost by two on opening day. They wasted a great start by Scherzer. Scherzer made one mistake. That's the story. Um, you know, the Marlins, I think we knew, were a disaster uh, heading into the year. And the Braves, uh, disappointing. Took, took a huge step back this year. You know, yeah, last but- year were kind of an exciting team. This year they lost by six on opening day. And, it's you know, it's pretty much time to sell off whatever you can and, uh, you know, build for the future. I, this is a this would be a good time for them to deal Acuna to yeah, try to. I think so. I think you strike while the iron's hot here. Yeah. <laughs> Philly's winning by six despite Harper uh, being uh, a bust. It's, Harper's it's obviously a bust, and that's a problem because he's there for a really long time, and they're clearly not going to get any value out of him. But you know, it's good for the for fans of that team to see that they can overcome you know his dead weight contract. Um, so that's, you know, and Nola pitched pretty well, uh, you know, not perfect, but he pitched pretty well, six innings, two hits, one run. So that's pretty, he did walk five guys. So that's a problem. Obviously they have a problem in their bullpen, uh, cause their bullpen gave up, uh, three runs yesterday in, in just like three innings. Major, major problem. But you, you've got to say Reese Hoskins and, uh, Michael Franco, uh, MVP candidates. MVP, I mean, legitimate MVP candidates. I have a Segura, by the way, two for four, um, you know, score two runs. And a homer for uh, McCutcheon. So, That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I think uh, very exciting times. The Toronto. only problem is JT Realmuto bust. <laughs> you know, I think they thought he was going to be their savior, but he's just uh, he's just you know they've got a they it's it might be time to shop him. Frankly, um, over three, uh, he did score a run, but over three on opening day, you can't have that. I think I think maybe they sh- they start shopping him. Time to move. Time yeah. to move. You know, um, we talked a little bit about this last year. This is uh, this has been a huge, huge topic uh, with our buddy Brandon McCarthy. In all, in all seriousness, and not all seriousness, in half seriousness, the uh, the Nationals were really, really. They, I don't think the Nationals have taken enough hits for how badly they screwed up last year. Right? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean that I, team was insanely talented. It's crazy. I mean, who has, like, on paper, who had a better roster? Right. That's right. You looked at that team, and you thought, first of all, Harper, I mean, we, we know that he had that kind of weird year. Harper, Rendon, uh, you know, that's as good as, as anybody right there. Um, Trey Turner is very, very good. 
Then in the middle of the year, they get Soto, who's just like a incredible, just absolutely incredible. So that lineup should score a million runs. And then Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, you know, and then the, the, the sort of a mix, Hellickson, they had Hellickson for a while there. Um, Doolittle was a dominant closer. And that team never never even engaged never, they never, never even like got... never was in the mix and uh, the the thing was like if you look at it individually like Trey Turner who who you know finally played a full season last year he's like a four win player at yeah. shortstop he's maybe the best one of the best defensive shortstops in the game he stole 43 bases yeah, you know, well, there's a four-win player, right? And that's, you know, then you would go to Rendon. Rendon at third is also a four-win player. Like, he's, you know, he, he had a 900 OPS. He mashes a ball. He had 24 home runs. You go player by player, and you look at the you look at their stats, and you're like, well, how did this team not win 110 games? It's really bizarre. It's like, it's almost like the, the some of the math doesn't add up. It, the The hole was so much less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> you know? How is that possible? I'll tell you what, and and you know, I'm one of those people that never puts too much stock in the uh oh, how much of a difference can a manager make? But you know, the Bra the 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 Nationals uh, uh you know were were looking at the same exact time that the Boston Red Sox were looking. And the Red Sox got Cora, who's amazing. The Nationals got Dave Martinez, who is still trying to figure things out. And I don't know. I wonder if that made a huge difference. I wonder if that really was was. I'm not saying that was the difference between winning and losing that the Red Sox wouldn't have won if and whatever. I'm just saying, uh, you know, they both had the they both had that opportunity. They both saw uh, hired uh, very talented uh, young uh, coaches from successful teams, and one turned out to be great, and the other turned out to be questionable. That's that's. It just uh, it's some it's something, man. I mean, Soto only Soto couldn't didn't come up till two months into the year. He was a three win player. Scherzer was a nine win player. Oh yeah, it was Scherzer was amazing. Yeah, was amazing. and uh, you know, and uh, it, like I, I mean, I know that they they uh, they always have injuries. Every team always has injuries, and but like you know, Strasburg only made twenty two starts, but they were pretty good starts. He was a two and a half win player last year. Like you just you keep going through the roster and. It's like if you add it up, it's like they should have won 105 games, and instead they just were they were a 500 team. It's so yeah, weird. 500 team was ever engaged. It was it's crazy. Good news for Nationals fans coming into 2019, however, is clearly Trey Turner is going to steal 480 bases at least. That's well, that, I mean he's he's averaging three a game already. Right. So yeah. I mean, come on. All right, to the American <laughs> League West, and I mean you've got to be. This is for for hot take, Mike. This can't. I mean. The Mariners have already won the division as far as you're concerned. As far as I'm concerned, it's over, and everybody else should probably, you know, strip it down and plan for the future. Astros should um, probably just start dealing off some of those players. I time. think they should. Look, the Astros won by four, and that's pretty good. Um, but, you know, the Mariners are 3-0, and they have a plus 11 run differential after three games. I, I don't see them losing for the rest of the year, frankly. And, you know, look, the Angels have Trout, and that's great. Um, but I just, I just don't see it happening. I just, I really don't. I think that the, I think if the Astros are smart, they look at what their division is right now and they say, it's time to get what we can for some of these young guys. You know, they just signed Bregman, but it's a pretty good team friendly contract. I think they could trade him and get a lot for him right now. I wouldn't wait. Frankly, I think that you strike while the iron is hot. 
Um, you know, they have uh, Altuve. I think they could get a lot for Altuve right now. They'll probably get a lot for Altuve right now. Clearly. Yeah, if they're smart. I mean, also Beto Verlander, who pitched well, you know, seven innings, three hits, nine Ks. A lot of teams need Justin Verlander. You know what I mean? Um, so I, if they're smart, if they're smart, they will look at, at the three and Mariners at the top of the division there, and they'll they'll think about moving some of these guys. By the way, also it should be known to Bregman bust over four. Oh my gosh, total bust, total, total bust. bust. They're going to re- really regret that extension they just signed him to. Somebody forwarded me, and I don't know if it's real because I didn't I didn't click on it, but somebody forwarded me a link to a Bleacher Report story that had the headline. I don't know what the story said. So maybe it was, maybe it was a joke of a story. Maybe it was, maybe it was intended to be ironic and sarcastic or whatever. I don't know. But the headline was essentially, did Mike Trout live up to his $4,330 million contract on opening day? That was, that was the headline. (laughs) And it wasn't the onion. So I don't know if that was like a real story. It was definitely the headline. I don't, and, and, and if the person who did the headline was like, it was like all a big fun joke, um, I guess well done, but not really because there was, you, you have to give me at least a hint that you're, that you're kind of kidding around. Um, but that said one for three with a walk, do you think that's worth a $430 million contract? No, it's a, he's a bust. <laughs> Not, you can't call him a. He is hitting three thirty three. He, is a, take he is a bust. They didn't pay him four hundred and thirty million dollars for him to hit three thirty three with no home runs. Um, here's another thing, by the way. I know we're moving into the AL East by by me saying this, but I will give you right now two hundred and forty one million dollars if you tell me who hit cleanup for the Rays yesterday and what position he played. Oh my gosh, I can't even name the Orioles manager. I put that on Twitter. Right? <laughs> Twitter and asked people, can you name the Orioles manager? And I gave him four choices. And like the choice was yes. Um, yes, but give me a minute. Uh, I know it starts with a B and uh, not a chance. And I think not a chance was like 85% at the, at like lately. And can you name the Orioles manager? No, no of idea. Um, I'm, so I'm going to give you four choices and of who hit cleanup. For the uh, Rays yesterday, and you guess who it is, okay? All right, go ahead. Um, Willie Adams, Randy Diaz, Brandon Lowe, Joey Wendell. (laughs) Joey Wendell is the name of a song, isn't it? Isn't that (laughs) Mr. Wendell? That's that's not a real person. Um, Because Joey Wendell is the funnest name, I'm going to say Joey Wendell. No, the answer is Brandon Lowe. Um, oh, which sure. is, uh, he's the, he's a, usually a second baseman, although for some reason he DH'd yesterday. Uh, wow. he's 24 years old. He's from Newport News, Virginia. Uh, he's played one year last year. He played 43 games for the Rays, uh, hit six homers, uh, had a 774 OPS and he was their opening day cleanup hitter. Ah, you know what? I just, I'm looking it up. Heck of a spring for Brandon Love. Three seventy-seven and slugged almost seven hundred. Yeah, that, that earns you uh, in the Rays organization. That means you hit cleanup on opening day. That good. I'm surprised spring. they didn't hit him. I'm surprised they didn't hit him cleanup first, and then in the and then somehow manipulate the lineup so that he hit later. <laughs> and, and all right, we'll, we'll get to the Rays in a minute. All right, is there anybody in all uh, candor who can who can take the Astros in the American League West? I don't think so. Although I do think, all joking aside, I think the Mariners are going to have a good year. 
I, I just you really are you you're buying in a little bit. I'm kind of buying in, yeah. Like I, I mean, I don't know that they're that much better than they were last year, but I kind I don't know. There's something about the team. I think like I I, I think they're a, they're a little better than we think they are, and and I don't their pitching is suspect. I because and I say that only because I can't name more than two of the pitchers, <laughs> but. I think they're a little better. I kind of do. I think like, you know, they got Encarnacion now as their DH and he can hit a little bit and Malik Smith is pretty good and I don't know. Hanniger's terrific. Hanniger is a, is a stud. He's Hanniger's real and, and, you know, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to maybe be a little better than we thought, than we thought they were. Yeah. But no, the answer is no, that obviously the Astros are going to win again. A couple of things that I think are very cool about the Astros. One is that yesterday was opening day and Marco Gonzalez already has two starts. So I love that. I love yeah, that. He, it's great. Like, yeah. Like, like, I hope he, they should just start him every other day. He, he actually wasn't that great in either of his starts, but um, Tim Beckham, what yeah. about Tim Beckham? Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, there's always some super fun guy that usually it's actually Harper. But there's always some fun guy who has like five home runs in the first two weeks of the year or whatever. And then hits four for the rest of the year. Four, yeah. Unless he's a Yankee. And then he, you know, then he gets traded to the Yankees and it's 12 in, in a month. I like Tim Beckham because, you know, like it's sometimes in video games when they don't have the rights to players or, or else like it's a video game like Madden football or something where, you know, you go into the future and the computer generates players for you to draft. The way it generates players is it randomly kind of mixes up first names with last names of the right. people in their database. And Tim Beckham always sounds like to me like a video game. I was like a soccer like a FIFA soccer video game. Just took like Tim Howard and David Beckham and just was like, oh Tim Beckham. Uh he's a, there's a bunch of guys like that who just who seem like a computer just very lazily smashed two names together. Speaking of that, I I, I did invoke you the other day because Oakland uh, has a pitcher who is, by the way, pitching uh, fantastic, and and uh, he's he's already had three, he's already pitched in three games. Named Lou Trevino, Trevin, Trevino, Lou Trevino, and I invoked you the other day because I I said that that clearly Lou Trevino is the um, underage drinking name of Lee Trevino. Right? It's like, okay, what, is, what is your what is your name? Oh, I'm Lou. Trivino. Yeah, it's the name that Lou Trevino gave to the cops when they caught him drinking at age like seventeen and on like a on a golf course at midnight. <laughs> Can Oakland? Oakland could be good. Oakland could be okay. I mean, they're one and two. I know that that hurts them early, but uh, but they do have a plus one run differential. So yeah, I think they should be better, slightly better than average over the course of the year. There we go. <laughs> American League Central big surprises on top of that division right now. I mean, right now it's. I mean, it's all hell is broken loose, frankly, because the Indians are done at zero and one. I think we assumed the White Sox were going to not be good. They're zero and one as well. But look at the Tigers, Royals, and Twins. I mean, what is going on? All of them like headed for the playoffs, three way tie atop the division. All of them plus two in run differential after one game. I mean, big. There's a there's some big surprising stuff happening in the AL Central. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a shocker. I'll tell you what's a shocker. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I used to uh, work uh, in Kansas City. I used to work for the Kansas City Star. I was a columnist there. I did know that. And uh, yeah, it's a little a bit of information about me. <laughs> and um, 
I know the Royals. I like follow the Royals. I've, I've written as much or more as anyone living, I imagine, about the Royals and have followed the Royals very closely and still follow the Royals closely and know a lot of the people there. And they send guys up to the plate. I'm like, who the heck is that? I can't. I mean, there was it was it was sort of a free for all. It's it was like Frank Schwindel. What is who is Frank Schwindel? And then and then I'm like, Chris Owings is on the Royals now. Like how how did and Hunter Dozier and it's it's uh I, I don't I don't know any of these people. Yeah, I, they know Billy Hamilton. I do know, and I'm very. I think Billy Hamilton. By the way, Hamilton faced uh, Burr yesterday. That, oh, was, nice. that was exciting. <laughs> that was exciting. The White Sox have a pitcher named Burr, and and uh, Hamilton and Burr faced each other, which was really fun. And it was a great moment uh, in general because uh, you you all know uh, the Royals announcing crew. Um, and, uh, and the Royals, uh, play-by-play announcer, uh, said, you know, made sort of a, a pretty, pretty fun joke about it. Said something like Hamilton trying to get his revenge on Burr or something like that. Uh, and you know who the Royals color guy is. We're not, I don't want to name names, but you know who the Royals color guy is. We were debating me and several other Kansas city people. What were the percentage chances that he knew what the heck that was? <laughs> like, what, like, what? What 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 chances are there? Do you think that he knew what the heck the Hamilton Burr joke was? Mm, That's low, right? That's low. Twenty percent, maybe twenty percent. Yeah. That's you. We usually ask that question about Gronk. Like, <laughs> what, like, what do you, you know, and the answer is zero. <laughs> zero. So I would say, yeah, I would say about maybe twenty percent just because of the pop culture that's right that, that's why it's that high is because you're like well he's, it's been in the ether and you know whatever um it is right, it, so- they're they're uh I, I will say that the white Sox, in all seriousness are kind of weirdly exciting they this are year. weirdly exciting you know yes. they have they like have- they have three guys now and uh that you're like oh i i need to see that guy play like moncada yeah. and jimenez at least two well, and it- well, he meant well. You mentioned uh, that you know we were giving the Padres all the credit. White Sox brought up Eloy. Jimenez, yeah, they did. Uh, right they started him in Game One. That's and, cool. That's and cool. and in some ways, that's even cooler because th- that White Sox team ain't winning. I mean, the Padres like if a lot of things go right, but that White Sox team after they lost Michael Kopech for the year, um, I, I think they probably realize they're they're probably not going to contend. But they still brought him up, and and I thought that was great. Yeah. And you know, and look, Abreu's still fun, and and Tim Anderson was a big prospect who 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 has a lot of talent, and uh, I I I like that. I mean, I don't know if I like them like right now. I like watching them. No, you but, like them like two years from now or something, right? Yeah, but if you're a White Sox fan, I think you you'd be pretty fired up about that team. The one that I really do want to talk about. I mean, for, we know we know Cleveland. Cleveland is exactly the same story. We know what the deal is. Are they going to score enough runs to 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 support that bullpen? I mean that uh, rotation, and uh, and are they going to build up enough around Lindor and Ramirez? That's their whole story. But Minnesota, man, that's that could be pretty exciting. And seeing Barrios yesterday just blow the the Indians away. Um, I don't know. I think they're pretty exciting, actually. Um, they're going to be exciting until they become a wild card team, have to face the Yankees, and Brias gives up uh, seventeen runs in four innings. 
Well, now, is that how it's going to happen? We need to make the prediction now. Is he, is he going to just give up 17 runs in four innings? Or no, he's gonna is he going to give up, like, he'll be four innings of solid baseball and they'll be up two to one, and then he'll, like, have a nine-run inning. No, he'll like give up two runs in the first inning, and then he'll okay. give up a two-run home to the judge, and then he'll settle down, and he'll be like, oh, he's settling down, and then in the fourth, Luke Voigt will hit a grand slam and the game will be over. <laughs> Meanwhile, the, the Twins will have left 16 guys on base, and... Uh, I'm telling you, I could not be more excited about Byron Buxton. I, I just I just have this feeling this is the year. This is the year we see the full blown Byron Buxton experience. I I, I think I think it happens. I year. love it. I love it. I hope you're right. I mean, I you, you know, you don't bet against the Indies in this division, obviously, but like the twins uh, like like these other teams, the twins, you look, they've like made some moves, man. You know, yeah. they've got Nelson Cruz and, and Buxton is like, hit, Buxton is ninth for them. At least he did in game one. Like, so there's no like pressure. And, you know, yeah. Jonathan yeah. Scope is like, he isn't amazing, but he's pretty good as a second baseman. Like they've, they sort of like did these mild upgrades, these sort of weird money ball upgrades at a bunch of different positions. And the sum total of it is probably going to be, you would imagine like, Overall, like they're going to be okay. They're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be better than they were last year. That's my guess. Yeah, I think so. And I'm excited about Buxton. I, I really like that to happen. All right. Here's my question for you to start the American League East conversation. Um, man, am I wrong or are like lots and lots and lots of people sort of like poo poo in the Red Sox? Am I, am I, am I imagining it? I just, I just feel like the Red Sox came off this, this year where they really put their stamp as, as one of the great teams of all time. I, I don't think anybody could argue it was one of the great seasons of all time. And they brought everybody back. Everybody's back, except for except for Kimbrel. the, the closer. Right, except for Kimbrell. Everybody's back. They're young. No, no, there's nobody really on this team who looks like they're aging out. And yet I just kind of get this feeling. Everybody, it's like they're not trendy. Everybody's sort of the Yankees are trendy. So a lot of people are picking the Yankees. And I'm not saying the Yankees aren't going to end up winning that division. We know the dangers uh, that lurk, but am I wrong or, or are people kind of like poo poo on this Red Sox team? Yeah. I think there's a feeling even among Red Sox fans that everything went exactly right last year. Like everything did from the, from the, from minute one, although they, I think they lost opening day, but from, from week one on, they just never, they were never seriously challenged in any way, shape or form. And so it, there is a little sense of like, there's, it can't be that again. It just can't right. be. So, I mean, if you look at their lineup, they're, like, they're the longest, arguably the longest and deepest lineup in the American League, except for the Yankees probably. But they also just, their defense is going to be as good, if not better, than it was last year. Their, right. their question is, the question is their pitching. Like, and I, I keep saying this, it's such a dumb thing to say. The question for every team is their pitching, basically. But, they just like they don't have a single guy in their bullpen that scares anybody. They really That's don't. True. Like they and 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 especially with Kimbrel not there, they just there's no one in their bullpen that scares you. You know, Joe Kelly for say what you want, he scared people because he was insane yeah. and he threw a hundred miles an hour. He's not there anymore, and Kimbrel's not there anymore. And suddenly you're like, well, wait, is Tyler Thornburg their closer? What's happening? Like, they. I think they're. I think that people are. Selling them a little bit short, and they're but they're also not wrong that they're that it's also likely that there will be some regression. You know, look, sale it's a one game sample size. Chris Sale got lit up yesterday by an okay lineup. 
Uh, he has shoulder, he has shoulder issues. His velocity is down. You know, he was down last year. They basically, he was basically reduced to being a bullpen pitcher in the in the World Series. Um, there's there's legitimate questions. It's just like you you the question the biggest question is like, does the depth of their team lead to another? Like uh, you know, to just does their depth get them to you know ninety eight wins again, or does it, or is it like is there going to be a little sort of mini collapse and they're fighting for a wild card? I you know I'd rather have a deep team than than a than a top heavy team. I mean that's what I would rather have. By the way, I fear Heath Hemby. Hembry, Hembry, you can't. No, no, I, I, but that's maybe that's why I fear him. It's like him <laughs> You're so scared of him, you drop the R out of his name. I, I, they, they have, they have a couple guys who are like decent, you know, who, who I think will be decent in their bullpen. They have a couple like they have a good, they have a good, you know. Again, they're like every. It, it's a little bit like the way the Patriots are always comprised. It's like everyone is like a B B minus, you know. So there's no one individual like this guy totally sucks kind of guy. Um, but they, I, I don't know. I mean, I if you, right now you look at them on paper against the Yankees, the Yankees are a better team top to bottom. I think. Well, the Yankees question is, and we know this, it's always the same question, is that starting rotation going to hold up? And having having Tanaka come out and be good right away is not a great sign early on. Well, good gonna, against, the, against the Orioles. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You, I think we have to build off of that one game. That's all we know. And, uh, um, you know, he was that Orioles team. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to talk about them in a minute. But here's the thing. Here's the – and I wrote this. You know, I wrote that when, when Dwight Gooden – uh, came to the big leagues. He was obviously this incredible dominant pitcher. He was striking out everybody. Nobody had ever seen anything quite like it, but he was terrible at holding on runners. Like he was terrible at it. And I remember it being kind of a big deal at the time. And I went back and looked at the numbers and it was true. He like 52 people tried to steal against him that year and 47 were successful, which is that's, he really truly was terrible at holding on runners. And I remember they asked somebody, uh, I think it was McCarver, Tim McCarver. They asked him, um, so so what do you think? Do you think this is, you know, uh, how do you feel about, you know, good and not holding on runners? And McCarver's response was basically, yeah, he'll be fine. Like, like, <laughs> like at some point it doesn't matter. And when you, when you don't let runners on base in general, you don't have to worry about holding them on. That's kind of how I feel about this Yankee rotation now. I mean, I don't think they'll probably end up being better anyway than, than, you know, because they do have some good pitchers now. But that bullpen, who cares? Who cares? They get five or six innings of shutout ball out of that bullpen every night if they want it. Well, also, they added Paxton and Hap as know, starters. And then, yeah. then you have – they have four legitimate closers. They have Britton, Chapman, Chad Green, and Adam Ottavino. And then they've got Tommy Kingley, who was a closer. And they've got, like, Domingo Herman, who's, like, you know, throws 100 million miles an hour. Like, I, I, I don't I, – again, like, I we went through this last year, and it was like, who's going to beat them? And then a bunch of stuff happens. And they do have injuries, you know. Hicks is injured to start the year, and – and, you know, Sabathia was suspended, and he's also injured to start the year. And a bunch of people are injured to start the year. It sort of always happens. But 
again, they got they they sent a box of air to no one and got Luke Voigt, and they they added they up severely upgraded significantly upgraded both the rotation and their bullpen, which didn't need to be upgraded at all. No, they've got a so they've got a bunch of guys who are like seventeen years old who were the like the best players at their positions. Their infield is absurd. Everybody in their infield is an is an all star. Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, Greg Bird, Andujar, even DJ LeMahieu is a borderline all star. Tulowitzki obviously has been an all star. They lost their starting center fielder. Doesn't who cares? They put Stanton in left, judges in right, Gardner's in center. They've got seven people at every position who are better than everybody else on every other team, and it drives me nuts. It stinks. Well, getting out of Vino is ridiculous, and of course he was like completely dominant. Here is here is a call I'm going to make though. All right, and, and this is after after one full game of 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 watching. I don't think Roldis Chapman's quite the same. I that that's the only thing I'm going to say. I mean, I think that bullpen is unstoppable but like that 104 103 mile per hour Roldis Chapman and obviously it's early I'm not saying that entirely based on 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 him throwing basically 95 96 on on opening day because only only crazy people and Noah Syndergaard throw 100 miles an hour on opening day but but I don't know I mean you can't throw 100 forever he's 30 what 32 31 32 years old I just think maybe he dials back a little bit. Maybe. All right. I mean, so oh, their fourth master leader no, won't have a good year. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. It's the Dwight Gooden holding on. I'm not, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. And by the way, I put it at an 83% chance they break the home run record they set last year, right? Oh, Don't you think it's at least. I think it's, I mean, assuming there's no catastrophic injuries. I mean, a bunch of guys missed a bunch of time last That's year. You know? And like, even guys that didn't have great years. Yeah. I mean, Judd. Judge had how many home runs last year? 20-something? Yeah. Oh, they're going to blow. Yeah. They're going to hit 300 this year, I think. That's what I said, 300. Yeah. Exactly. Um, here's exactly. a crazy stat about the Yankees. Do you know that they have one player on their current roster who's under six feet tall? I'm not kidding. That's it's Brett, it's Gar, it's Gardner and he's 5'11". Everybody else 6'2", 6'6", 6'7", 6'3", 6'7", 6'6", 1'6", 4'6", 1'6", 3'6", 4'6", 5'6", 1'6", 2'6", 5'6", 3'6", 2'6", 4'6", 3'6", 2'6", 4'6", 3'6", 3'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 6'6", 
Uh, I think it probably is effective for a team like that, that really doesn't have another way to compete. I, I think that works. I don't think long-term it necessarily will work, but it might. I don't know the answer to that. But I guess I would ask as a baseball fan, if that would catch on, do you think it would, would, would the game be any less fun for you if, if starters became a lesser part of the game? Look, I think, would you what's the difference ultimately between having an opener and um, and having a starter who stinks who gets pulled after an inning and a third, you no, know, like no, it's just it, I don't think it's that big a deal. There's always there's going to be a market for starting pitchers who are good, yeah. And then and those guys, Blake Snell, will still pitch and he'll still like be their starter every fifth day, and they'll have a couple other guys. And then in those other games, who who cares? Like who cares if it's a guy who's intentionally pitching one inning or a guy who is intending to pitch five and ends up pitching two and a third, like. I, I, anyway, it just yeah. doesn't seem. I don't think it's that big a deal. And I mean, a guy pitches yeah, winning, the, he gets three outs. The next time you come out, there's a different pitcher out there. What? What? Why is that bad? I don't see why that's bad. I mean, except well, for, I think it leads to the, the suppression way, of offense, which is what people are upset about. Well, I think there's two things. One is the suppression of offenses. Two, and look, I mean, whether we agree with it or not, it. You know, they, they've been doing it one way for 100 plus years, wins, pitcher wins, which we know don't mean anything, but they've been a part of it. You've five man rotations have been a part of baseball for more than a half century. And it just it's just up. It's just changing the dynamic of the game. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I think it's really smart. I think it's good uh, for, for the for them. I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I just don't know if if it's something that like typical fans who go to the game uh, care about, or if it's something that they'd like, no, I, I liked it better the old way. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have a great feel for that. Um, we're not going to talk about Toronto because they didn't bring up Vlad jr. That's the only thing that matters there. And so the, the final question is how bad is that Baltimore team going to be? I mean, what is legendarily bad like 200, like 120 loss bad. I think every time you make a prediction like that, Either legendarily good or bad, the team ends up winning or losing ten more games than you thought they right. were. So I think they're going to lose a hundred games, and I, I think it'll be they'll lose between a hundred and a hundred and ten games. That's my. I, I it's every time every time it's like oh that team's going to win twelve games. Baseball's weird and and things happen and they'll they'll win fifty five games or something like like most normally bad teams do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, although they do seem worse than than like a normally bad team and and they will play the Yankees Red Sox 38 times or whatever but uh I thought the single thing that I thought was first of all Chris Davis is still like getting paid a lot of money for oh, yeah. the Orioles I mean we that that contract does not get discussed enough as being like the all-time worst contracts ever um he was over three with three strike routes on opening day I think that is the one case where you can absolutely base on opening day exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, they're going to cut him on May 1st or something, right? And just eat the money. I, 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 I don't know. They have to. Yeah. He's, he's unplayable. I mean, and I feel bad. Look, he was he was good. There was a reason they paid him that money. I mean, he had a couple of years there where he was really, really good. But he had the kind of skills that, you know, he, he couldn't field. He couldn't run. It was all going to be about whether or not he could he could uh, make contact, and uh, he just suddenly stopped. He yeah. was always a swing and miss guy anyway. But I mean, look in 2013, that guy hit 286, 370, 634, a thousand OPS, 
53 homers, 138 RBIs. I mean, that was legitimately great. And two years later, he led the league in homers with 47 home runs. And it's been, it's not been good since then. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it is sad. You hate to see guys just like fall. To pieces. It's like, it's like Pablo Sandoval. It's like, Oh man, that was fun. <laughs> that know, was good. Really? That's, this is a bummer. It's exactly right. But I mean, it's, it's over in that, in that world. Yeah. I mean, it's been over for a long time. All right. Who wins the, uh, national league, uh, well, who's in the National League Championship Series? Uh, well, I mean, again, going by opening day, which is the only information we have, you're, you're looking at, uh, let's see, Dodgers, um, let's call it Dodgers, Cubs, uh, Phillies as the right. division winners. And okay. then you're going Rockies, uh, either Reds or Mets. I'll go Reds uh, as the wild cards. Um, oh, there's three. Wait, there's three wild cards. How does it work now? No, no. There's two wait. to play in game. Yeah. So we'll yeah. go. I'll go Rockies. Uh, I'll go Rockies. Uh, well, I'll go Rockies. Uh, I guess I'll go Rockies Brewers as okay. the wild cards. And then the Dodgers, who have the best run differential so far, will come out of the West or the National League rather. Um, and then in the American League, you're looking at Yankees. Um, that's a three-way tie in the Central because they all won their game with a run differential of plus two. And I guess I'll go, let's say Twins. I'm going to take a flyer on the Twins. Sure. Let's say Yankees, Twins, and Mariners are your division winners. Then the Astros and let's say the... Mm, I'll say the Red Sox just because I like them. They're my favorite team, even <laughs> though they don't deserve to be in this conversation because they have the worst run differential in the league after one game at negative eight. But I'll say Red Sox uh, and Astros, the wild cards, and then you're looking at the Mariners over the Yankees for the uh, for the pennant, and then I'll pick the Dodgers over the Mariners for the World Series. Wow, very very good. You know, it's funny, other than the the bizarre Mariners <laughs> because of their because of their early start. That's probably not far off what you would predict anyway, right? <laughs> well, you know what? The thing is, is like it's the Mariners. It's I, I even though I'm doing this as a as a bit, I'm going to actually reduce. I'm going to go. The Mariners have played three games and they have a run differential of plus eleven. The Astros have played one game and have a run differential of plus four, which over three games would be plus twelve. So I'm going to actually uh, sure, flip it, sure. and so the Astros win the West, and it'll be Dodgers over Astros in the World Series. <gasps> You know, I really do think there could be a Dodgers Astros series. I really, totally. I, I think, I think those are totally the two best teams. Probably when you when you add everything up, and what if the Astros win again, beat the Dodgers again? So the Dodgers, I mean, at what point does this start getting into the Dodgers totally? Like not just their heads, forget that because the players they move on and they're they're fine. But I mean, the whole LA psyche at some point is just. The Dodgers always get to the World Series and they always lose. Well, what it's, it's weirdly the dot. Look, the Dodgers have a proud history of doing just that. I mean, that's yeah. they were the entire <laughs> decade of the 1950s was the Dodgers getting to the series every year and except for one year losing the World Series. Right. So, like in a weird way, it makes some kind of sense that they that they you know they have these great teams. They make it to the series and then a slightly better American League team beats them. It's kind of appropriate. Boys of Summer too. I like this. This is like a little a little secondary Boys of Summer. That's right. Uh, for the Dodgers. I think that's good. I, I think that's excellent. All right, we are not going to do a draft 
Uh, but I do want to uh, discuss one of your and mine favorite things. I know it's one of your favorite things, and that is the name of the year bracket uh, came out. Uh, and and how, first of all, how do you feel about the name of the year bracket this year? I don't think it's the strongest one I've ever seen. Um, it's 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 good. It's like a solid. By the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, just Google name of the year bracket 2019. Um, That's been around the entire bracket. Yeah, as they always do. Um, they do. I, I I think that the problem with this bracket is the first bracket you read in the upper left is the weakest bracket. Um, the, it's Dr. Trendington Outhouse is the, is the number one seed. And these are all, in case you don't know, we're talking about these are all real names of real human beings and they put them into an NCAA style bracket and the people vote on them. Um, so Dr. Trentington Outhouse is, is okay as a number one seed. Not a, it's not a number one seed. The number two seed in that bracket is Pretzel Monteclaro, which is okay. There's some good, I mean, you can find good ones. Um, Ionosphere Torres is pretty amazing. Um, you know, but it's the, you're looking around and you're like, oh, it's not amazing. The best brackets are in the bottom of the bracket, I think. Um, the, the, the best number one seed to me is Ecclesiastical Denzel Washington. <laughs> Which is amazing. So good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And then that bracket also has It's the only one seed that I love. Yeah. It's me the too. only it's the only one seed that I love. Yeah. Um, that that's the crotch tangle regional down there in the lower right. The it also has um Jiroquarius Spivey, which is pretty good. It has okay. Talisport Putt Savage, which is pretty good. Um <laughs> oh Dermot Smurfit. Don't sleep on thirteen seed Dermot Smurfit. Um and then the, totally the yeah, I think that, I think, that, I mean, and look, this, this gets argued every year, but I think the seating is a little weird in the sit hole regional, which is in the lower left. There's Dr. Trent Artichoker, which I really like. There's, um, the Prince Howard barbecue Yi, which, <laughs> which is wonderful. Uh, and Deicide Huxtable is the number two seed, which is an unbelievable name. Deicide yeah, Huxtable is the, is the best two seed and, and, and obviously should have been uh, a one seed. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you what, and, and, you know, I, this is because like uh, there are names that I love for different reasons. I think in that region, Sharky Laguana is not a bad name. Yeah. Sharky, Sharky Laguana is like solid. My favorite name though, of the whole thing is in the dragon, the dragon wagon regional, which overall is not very good. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I don't think it's that good. But I think Pixie Furmeister is a fantastic. Pixie Furmeister is great. Also, the four seed in that bracket is Candy Button Disco, <laughs> <laughs> which is also amazing. Hopefully, they read they meet because they're actually in different parts of the bracket. So I would hope they would meet for the chance to go to the final four. Uh, in the Boltron, I you know I, I gotta say I did like Truman Peyote. Yeah, just for, just for the fun of it, but. Really, did you? What? How do you feel about number three seed Manchester United MacGyver? I see. That's the problem. Is like I don't like it when you can imagine how the parents named the person that, or the person changed their own name to that. Because it's like right. it's just a fan of Manchester United who loves him so much he went to a court and named himself Manchester United MacGyver, or parents who love the team so much. I much prefer. The kind of like the ten seed in that bracket is Ionosphere Torres, and so that's, a, that's like a person right? like the parents just heard the word Ionosphere and were like, "Ooh, I like that. I'm going to name our well, our human child I, that." 
I would not mind seeing an Ionosphere Torres Dijonay Norman uh, final eight. Sure. Really, I think that would that would be very solid. In the Sid Hall, I think it has to be uh, Deicide Huxtable, right? Yeah, just, that's that's to me the best name in that division. Or, or Prince Howard Barbecue Yee. Or Prince Howard Barbecue Yee. Barbecue. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if it's barbecue or ba- it's spelled B A R E B E C U E, so it might be barbecue. Prince Howard Barbecue. Voltaire Casino. Where do you think on Voltaire? Casino? That's not bad. That's a pretty. That's a workmanlike. That's a good. I think that's appropriately seated at number nine. Voltaire. Yeah, Casino. they're sixteen. They, they, could, they could beat the eight. They're, they'll probably lose to the one. Although the one in that surrender nada is not a good name. No, not no. All right, then at the crotch angle, I think so many possibilities. Everybody in that division is tough. But I'm. I kind of like Dermot Smith, Dermot Smurfit. Dermot Smurfit's great. They're, they're the ones Although that when you say them out loud, like when you, the, the, the trick with this thing over years, you have to say them out loud because you don't know how funny they are until you say them out loud. And Dermot Smurfit, when you say it out loud, is truly enjoyable. So with um, G. Aquarius Spivey, that's wonderful. And um, also, yeah. uh, the two seed is Telesport Putt Savage, which is, it's like you when you look at it you don't laugh but then you say it out loud and it's like oh wait that's a great name that is really really a good name but i mean you cannot sleep on ecclesiastical uh denzel washington the best number one that's the best one so i i still think they're favored going in and then uh in the in the dragon wagon i'm i just think pixie Furmeister goes all the way i i just think pixie Furmeister is it's great in it's great in in when you read it. It's great when you say it. I just love that name. Yeah, the problem with this bracket is it gets voted on by people on the internet, and so anything and we won't say these names out loud, but there are certain names that have a sort of like prurient dirtiness yeah. to them, and those yeah. always those ones always go far. Like if people just don't yeah. voting it, it's just too bad because it should be based purely on the quality of the name as a piece of nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Like Ionosphere Torres. <laughs> It's one last meaningless thing To end this meaningless thing We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like how beaches are terrible places to go No hot fruit for Michael or Diet Coke for Joe The podcast won't It's one last won't All right, we need to go to our one last meaningless thing. And and uh, rather than do a full fledged, I mean, you might have one if you want to do one, um, that'll be great. But rather than do a regular one last, one last meaningless thing, uh, in in preparation of your return to the podcast, I don't know if you know this, uh, I went on Twitter and uh, put out a little day-by-day poll of the proper way to construct a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Are you aware of this? Are I you aware am. That and, I've uh, and yeah, go ahead and, and explain the results of the poll and then I'll scream at you for 10 minutes. <laughs> so what I did was each day uh, for the last three days, I have done a peanut butter and jelly construction poll, uh, breaking down a different part of how you construct a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Day one, the poll uh, was very simple. I simply asked uh, crunchy, or smooth peanut butter. That's uh, obviously uh, a very clear choice. And uh, smooth wins 60% to 40%. Okay, so that's that's our starting point. Day two, 
uh, I did a um, more directly, uh, more directed toward the bread. I asked, should the bread be toasted? Uh, giving people three options, fully toasted, only 5% as it should be. Lightly toasted, 23%. And then no, no toasted, 72%. So a dominant performance for you do not toast the bread. And then the third day's poll was very simply, how do you construct your peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Do you put peanut butter on one side and jelly on the other? 70% said that's how they do it. I said, do you do peanut butter and jelly on the same side? 13% said that's how they do it. And then I asked, if you know, what about peanut butter on both sides, which some people prefer, uh, jelly in the middle, 17% uh, said that. So a dominant performance again for peanut butter on one side, jelly on the other. Mike, how, how, how would you have voted on those three? Look, um, <laughs> the people who are right about things, who are just right. correct about things are often, as we've discussed, misunderstood in their time. And it isn't until much later, maybe in, in some cases hundreds of years later, that, sure. that their genius and their understanding of the world is finally seen as you know groundbreaking and important. Uh, I bring this up all the time, but the Pope had to formally apologize to Galileo like 500 years later for proposing a heliocentric universe at the time, of course, Galileo was, uh, was found to be in like contempt of God's law and was committed to like a house arrest. He muttered under his breath. Nevertheless, it moves in reference to the earth because no one could believe that the earth actually wasn't the center of the galaxy, wasn't the center of the whole universe. He knew it wasn't because he was a man of science. And 500 years later, with shame in their hearts, the Catholic Church apologized for what it did to him. And that's just what's going to happen. I've just accepted that that's what's going to happen with me. I won't be around to see it. My kids won't be around to see it. My great-grandkids won't be around to see it. But the world is going to apologize to me for being so wrong, so deeply, truly, morally, ethically, and, and universally wrong about the proper construction of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The proper construction of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. First of all, the fact that you even ask about crunchy versus smooth is absurd. And the fact that people choose smooth is such an offensive, it's so, it's so offensive. It deeply offends me and wounds me. I can't, it's so hard to understand how so many people can be so wrong about something, but they are. Yeah. The answer is crunchy peanut butter always and forever. Creamy peanut butter is a defense against, against man and God. Uh, what, in whatever no, God no. you believe in. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Every religion's what God. If, what if you're staying at somebody's house and all they have is smooth? There's a grocery store within 15 minutes of you. There's, it's they, no, what if there isn't? What if there isn't? Then you eat something else. <laughs> I don't know what so, to tell you, man. It's like, you, it's like the fact that you don't have the, the right equipment doesn't mean you should still go on the mission. You know what I mean? Like you don't go on a mission with inferior equipment. It's just it doesn't work out well. Um, you lightly toast the bread for obvious reasons. Number one, toast, it, the smell of toast is amazing. Number two, right. the warm bread melts the peanut butter people. And and the, and the bread has more like just structural integrity when it's lightly toasted and very slightly light brown firm. It feels better in your hand and you get a little crunch when you bite into it. I don't, and then, and then the third thing is, 
you can disagree with me. I think reasonable. This is the one area I'm willing to compromise on. Reasonable people can disagree with me on this. You put the peanut butter on the bread and you put the jelly on the peanut butter side because the peanut butter prevents the bread from getting a little extra soggy when you put the sandwich together. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna blow this up over over that. I, if you want to, if you want to put the jelly on one side, that's on the other side. That's fine. I, I really don't care. I don't care if you want to put peanut butter on both sides. That's also fine. But I, I will. I'm really. I'm, I'm showing you that I'm reasonable. I'm willing to compromise. Yeah, I'm willing to compromise on that issue. I'm unwilling to compromise the slightest bit on crunchy versus smooth and on lightly toasted versus not toasted. So, in other words, uh, the vast majority of people, but you do have a small minority of people who are with you. I mean, would you call them disciples? I would call them like-minded individuals who have seen the blinding light of truth. I think that's fair. I think that's. I think that seems fair. I mean, were you surprised? A little surprised that that there weren't more people with you. I was. I'm not going to lie. I I assumed it was going to be fifty fifty on both, and the fact that it was like seventy thirty on creamy was uh, is abhorrent. I think the country's t- taking a dark turn. <laughs> there, there is an argument that the country has taken a dark turn. There really is an argument. So, all right. Well, I mean, people now know where you stand and, uh, and they know where to reach you. So, uh, so this is, this is fair. Do you have a one last meaningless thing? Have you gathered one up over the last few years? Few um, months? I've gathered up uh, one during the course of the uh, podcast here, which is um, uh, another athlete who wore number six is LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true. That is true. <laughs> For some reason, I see LeBron in that 23. You don't think Jim is wearing six, but he did. And it, it should be said. It, when, when I'm asserting that no athletes wear number six, and the two of them that we remember are Bill Russell and LeBron James, I think that's... Both basketball, though. Both basketball. Our minds were not in basketball. We were thinking football. True. Baseball. No, I'm not giving us the break, though. That's horrendous that we didn't know that. <laughs> That's that's absolutely horrendous. By the way, LeBron in in LA, that's worked out well. That's that's been nice. I have uh, like here's my one my real one last meaningless thing. There's as I've said before, there's nothing better in the world than listening to LA sports talk radio and the Lakers stink. And I love LeBron. I only want LeBron to oh, ever yeah. win everything in the I want him to win every year. But I hate the Lakers as almost as much as I love LeBron. And I have to say that the Laker fandom, when LeBron came, the reaction, they weren't even happy. They're just like, yes, of course. Yes, we are the Lakers, and thus LeBron comes to us. That's correct. And then we shall get Anthony Davis, and then we shall also get uh, Kawhi Leonard, and then, yes, we shall also get whoever we they, we want. And also, it has been prophesied that Lonzo Ball shall become the greatest point guard to ever live. And also, the trade of Julius Randle, letting Julius Randle go, was, yes, verily the correct move. Like, they just have this attitude of, like, the that basketball championships are their birthright, and it's yeah. infuriating. And so watching this team collapse and watching the insane suicide squad that that team put together, that the best family put together of all of the weirdest players in the league, the Lance Stevensons and Rajon Rondos and all those weirdos, watching it totally collapse, I hate it for LeBron, and I love it for every other reason. It has been truly, truly delightful to watch Lakers fans look around confusedly uh, at a team that's going to win like 32 games 
and say, but I don't understand. We are the Lakers. We, this isn't the way. There must be some mistake. Check your records again. There, there must be some mistake. I mean, that is literally the, the attitude of the Lakers is, is of Lakers fans is we get everything we want. You know, it, it, it is prophesied. It is, it is said, it is written in the scripture that we shall be the champions. And to watch them after LeBron announced he was coming here. And literally there were people here who were going like, look, Will they be the one seed? Will they knock off Golden State? Probably not. We're probably looking at a three seed, um, you know, which is which is fine. You know, are we going to win the title this year? Probably not. Golden State or the Rockets or whatever. But you know, Western Conference Finals—that's realistic. Like they, that was the level of discussion that was happening after he said he was coming here, and it is so wonderful. It is just so wonderful. I love it so much. <laughs> I got to say the the one. The one thing that I just found the biggest bummer of all was just what a death trap it was when he passed Michael Jordan in points. It was just so weird. Everything about that, the way the crowd just had no reaction and the way they buzzed around that stupid, like, whatever, light, you know, around the stadium, like, woo, you know, it was like, it was like, like, um, you know, in the, in the old movies where they like, they'd be like, yay. And like a tiny bit of like confetti would fly in the air. I mean, it was sort of like, like that. And man, I, that was, that was the one moment other than that. I mean, honestly, I love LeBron. Of course I couldn't love LeBron more and I would always root for LeBron. I don't care. I mean, LeBron is one enough. It's not like, I mean, I, I don't think LeBron, he has nothing left to prove. I don't, I don't particularly care if LeBron wins any more championships. It doesn't matter to me, but when he passed Jordan, that's that stunk. That that should have been such a cool event. Yep. If that had happened in Cleveland, that would have just been. They would have just torn the roof off. It would have been so. And then the score wouldn't have mattered. Nothing would have mattered. It would have just been this. They would have. They would have led up to it for weeks on end in in Cleveland media and and uh, yeah, that depressed me. That was a little bit depressing to me. Yeah, I me too. It stunk. And if he and you're right, if he had stayed where he was, not that that's the only consideration for anybody and it was an athlete but if he'd stay where he was that would have been a that would have been a 10 minute pause in the game and oh yeah magical and great and you know but he's just after a different fish right now he's not after a basketball fish he's after he's after a whole other echelon of fish and so that's you know he made sacrifices because he made a calculation about what his future was and that's totally fine i don't absolutely it's totally like he's LeBron. He can do whatever he wants and he should do whatever he wants. It's just also awesome when Laker fandom in LA looks around confusedly at results that it doesn't understand. <laughs> are the Lakers, the Yankees, like, is that like the NBA Yankees? Like are those fans, Yankee fans? They're beyond the Yankees. Honestly, I've never personally wow. experienced. Yeah. Yankees also are like the championship is our birthright, but, but that has also faded, I think, over the last 20 years. Laker fans have an irrationality about the Lakers that even Yankee fans don't have about the Yankees, I find, which is even when the Lakers are terrible, they still they still act like they're great. Like they when D'Angelo Russell was drafted, they were like, okay, so now we're the four seed next year because he's because we have D'Angelo. As if none of them had even heard of D'Angelo Russell like two months earlier. And then they're like, you know what? Get rid of him. He stinks. And they trade him. And then he now he's great. And none of them are like, we, still Laker fans aren't aren't like, we made the wrong decision. They're like, yes, who's next? What, what LeBron's here. It doesn't matter. Like they don't, they, they have, they're utterly blind to the, to the ups and downs of their team and the reasons behind the team's ups and downs. They just are always assuming 
that they're going to wake up and check the the standings online and the Lakers are going to be the second best team in the West. It's bizarre. It's a it's a, like a mass delusion that Laker fans have that where they believe that whatever the team does, it's like, yes, that's correct. That now is the right thing that is going to have happened. And the, when, as soon as Anthony Davis, the, the Lakers, I don't want to, I don't want to like, like take up another eight minutes here, but the Lakers had have a massive amount of salary cap space, a ton of young players with potentially high ceilings. And they, and they went into that draft or they went into the trade deadline when at least one, you know, top five player in the NBA announced that he was available and yeah. the team somehow got worse. Like <laughs> it was like they, they botched that so worse than any team in the NBA has botched great. a trade deadline. And by the way, they, they did it in a way where every single player on the team knew that he was <laughs> expendable <laughs> and willing to be traded. And the team cohesion completely fell apart and the, and they went on a, you know, they've been terrible ever since the trade deadline. It's hard to go into a trade deadline when that guy is available and there's basically only one team that that guy can be traded to and not get any better and, in fact, get worse. Like, the team is being terribly mismanaged, absolutely, utterly, terribly mismanaged, and Laker fans do not see it, as far as I can tell. You should have been on. I, you know, I know you've been uh, somewhat busy, but you should have been on uh, last week because we had Seppenwall on and Seppenwall was uh, – kind of beefing a little bit about the Yankees off season beefing that, you know, they didn't, the Yankees are no longer the Yankees. They're oh no longer God. the go out. I know you would have loved it. You would have loved it. Oh so my God, they got like <laughs> eight of the 10 best players available. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get Harper. That was it. They didn't get Harper. So, uh, all right. Well, another one. I hope everybody appreciates the, us telling them what's going to happen this season. Yep. Mike, we'll, we'll, you'll be back soon, I'll right? be back you'll soon, be back and soon. we'll keep you updated on exciting things in the future. It's awesome. As always, thank you. And thanks for having me.